This is episode number 980 on Decoding Greatness with Gotham Chopra. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. LeBron James once said, I like criticism, it makes you strong. And Tom Brady said, if you don't believe in yourself, why is anyone else going to believe in you? My guest today has actually spent significant time with LeBron, Tom Brady, and a host of many other superstar athletes and world-class performers, exploring what makes them so successful. Gotham Chopra is one of the most celebrated documentary filmmakers in the world. He directed Kobe Bryant's Muse, Tom vs. Time, which is a personal favorite of mine, Shut Up and Dribble with LeBron James, Stefan versus the game and more. And he's out with a new series on Apple TV Plus called Greatness Code, which spotlights untold stories from LeBron, Tom Brady, Usain Bolt, Alex Morgan, and Sean White, among others. He also happens to be the son of spiritual guru Deepak Chopra, as well as a close former friend of Michael Jackson's. So he has a unique perspective on stardom and success. And he opens up about a lot of this during this interview. We talk about the connective tissue between great athletes, whether success in sports comes down to talent, hard work, or mindset. The lessons Gotham learned from his dad, Deepak, when he wasn't a spiritual guru, his relationship while going on tour with Michael Jackson, and so much more. And if you're finding value in Gotham's wisdom and this episode inspires you, make sure to pass this along to a friend. You have the power to change someone's life just by sharing this episode link, lewishouse.com slash 980, or copying and pasting the link on Apple Podcast or on Spotify or wherever you're listening to this. And a quick reminder, if this is your first time here or you've been listening for a while, click on that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts right now so you can get up to date on the latest and greatest inspiration on the School of Greatness podcast. And leave us a quick review over on Apple Podcasts to start spreading the message of greatness to more people. And now without further ado, let's dive into this episode with the one and the only Gotham Chopra. At U.S. Bank, when we say we're in it with you, we mean it. Not just for the good stuff, the grand openings and celebrations, although those are pretty great, but for all the hard work it took to get there, the fine-tuning of goals, the managing of cash and workflows, and decision-making. We're in to help you through all of it, because together we're proving day in and day out that there is nothing as powerful as the power of us. Visit usbank.com to get started today. Equal housing lender, member FDIC, copyright 2024, U.S. Bank. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone if you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Nothing beats attending a live event. SeatGeek's site is easy to navigate, so you're able to select the best seats to see your favorite artists with confidence. With over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app on the Apple App Store. There are more than 70,000 events on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports, festivals, and more. Plus, your tickets are backed by a buyer guarantee. Download the SeatGeek app and use code GREATNESS20 to get $20 off your first purchase. Offer applies to new customers only. Purchase must be over $50. The promo code is single use and valid through September 30th, 2024. Get tickets on SeatGeek now. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And actually, I was thinking about something I wanted to share. I get a lot of questions from you about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there who are often on the go, like I am. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making some extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start, and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Many people host on Airbnb, including some friends of mine who have raved to me about their experience. But there are some people out there who've never imagined their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle, and it's a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you've got yourself an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ever notice how your relationship with your wireless carrier can have the same yada yada as a bad romantic relationship? Like you're treated special at the beginning with exciting gifts and offers, but then ignored and overlooked later on. Or your partner gets a wandering eye, like how some wireless carriers start focusing their attention on newer customers. Well, if this sounds like your wireless carrier, it might be time to put an end to the yada yada. Now at Metro, existing customers get that new customer feeling again and again. Introducing Metro Flex, more than just free, 5G phones when you join, get the same great deals as new customers on select devices like Samsung, Motorola, and Rebel when you stay 12 months and trade in a phone. It's the first of many initiatives Metro is making to ensure all of the customers feel valued. That's not a yada yada. Stop by your neighborhood Metro store, bring your number and ID, and sign up for an eligible Metro Flex plan. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there to too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Welcome back everyone to School of Greatness. We got Gotham Soper in the house. My man, I'll, I'll cheers it up yes, to you. Good yeah. to see you, man. Likewise. I'm excited to connect. You've got an interesting life, but also you've got this project that's out right now called Greatness Code. And when I heard about it, I was like, we've got to connect because School of Greatness, Greatness <laughs> Code, this is what we're all about. Right. And you essentially launched a series on Apple Plus, which is interviewing the world's greatest athletes on their accomplishments and how they became so great. Yeah. 
and they're super interesting, cinematic, storytelling, graphic, graphical, everything. It's really cool. And I'm curious, why did you want to study greatness from these top athletes? You yeah. also did Tom, Tom versus Time, which was unbelievable series. Great series, yeah. But why did you want to continue to take it a step further after that and diving deeper yeah. into this topic from world-class athletes only? Well, you know, the backstory actually starts before LeBron and Tom Brady, all these athletes that are featured in the series. So I think it was 2013-ish, 14, I started working with Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a huge Celtics fan. I grew up in Boston and loved the Celtics, hated Kobe and hated the Lakers. Yep. You know, I started working with Kobe and I remember I grew close to him. I mean, that's kind of the nature mm -hmm. of the work I do is like building real relationships. And so across that time, I remember once talking to Kobe about like, Hey, so, you know, as a fan, I can, there's that game you scored 81 points, right. game you scored 60 points in three quarters. Like, would you say that's your greatest game? Or maybe a playoff game or something like that? And Kilby was like, nah, there's this other game against Denver, against Tracy McGrady or something like that, like where I, and it's obscure. It's like a regular season game. Um, that, you know, doesn't have necessarily the stakes that you would think, uh, playoffs, etc. Wasn't a game seven where you no, scored 50 and, and he, had the game-winning totally. shot. And it was like, I think it was my greatest game. And by the way, because of something I was going through off the court, you know, emotionally, mentally, mm. psychologically, spiritually, whatever. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. And, you know, I just, that always stuck with me. And then a few years later, I was working with LeBron on something, shut up and dribble, and I asked him. And... Likewise, it wasn't like coming back to Cleveland and winning an NBA championship or even winning his first championship. It was, and I hate to say this as a Celtics game because the moment he said it, I was like, <laughs> I, I remember that game. You had 45 points, 15 rebounds, 9 assists. Um, it was a playoff game against the Celtics. And it was before he had won any NBA championships. He had just lost game five down in Miami. And all the haters were coming out again, like, oh, LeBron's a choker, LeBron can't win the big one. And he's like, I remember all that, I heard all that, so I brought that with me to game six, Wow! and that's when. And so, I don't know, it just was like, the mechanics of greatness was really fascinating to me. It's like, it's, it's the moment, for sure, but it's the backstory, and it's like the context in which greatness happens. Yeah. Just from a storytelling perspective, I was really into that. And then, yeah, like I always call it like, you know, the anatomy of greatness. Like, what are the elements? Like, what comes together? And of course, the expression. The great thing about sports is like, it's, it's highly visual. Like, you can see it mm -hmm. when it happens. It's cinematic. It's very emotional, too, right? For sure. It's, it's visceral. Like, okay, you tell me that story, I can go on the internet and, and probably find the game. But then, to hear like LeBron talk about it, it's the paradox of like what's happening out on the court where he's destroying the Celtics. <laughs> but um, <laughs> inside, when he talks about it's it's quiet, it's silent. Mm -hmm. He says the one in that. He says I you felt nothing. nothing, right? Yeah. And again, now as an artist, as a storyteller, a filmmaker, you're like, uh, okay, like. That's, what does that mean? What does nothing? What does nothing mean and how do I show that? <laughs> like, you is know? nothing emptiness? Is nothing quiet? Is nothing meditative? Is yeah. nothing blank? And, is you know yeah, and is you, it clarity or what is that? I mean? think I mean we've we're familiar, you know, you're very familiar with the expressions in the zone, mm -hmm. flow state, peak performance, all of that. And that starts to like you start to hear consistency mm -hmm. across when these athletes describe it. There's this level of surrender yeah i hear all the stuff but in that moment i let it all go yeah and, you know in the present and all that stuff so 
I love sports, but I also like I think of this as these are stories about spirituality. Like these are, you know, and the sports again, highly visual, which is great. You know, you can actually now figure out how to show that experience. But at its essence, it's like it's it's about human potential. Mm -hmm. It's about, you know, our highest potential. Yeah, I've had I used to play uh many sports in high school and college, and I played arena football as well for a, a season and a half before I got injured. I also played with the USA handball team in my pursuit of making the Olympics, uh -huh. which we haven't qualified for in almost 30 years now. So it's very challenging uh, to qualify for, but I had many moments where I felt that, I don't know if I would call it nothing, but I felt clarity. You yeah. know, it's like, I just feel, sure. I feel clear and, I, and I'm not feeling the pain, like, and maybe it is nothing, but I'm not like noticing my toe is hurting. I'm not noticing what people yeah. are saying. I'm just in the moment focused on that play, yeah. especially in football and just focusing on that moment as opposed to what's happening in the future, what what past. mistakes they yeah. did in the past. Yeah. And I think that's what everyone needs to try to get to in order to achieve some type of yeah. peak performance or greatness. Did they all have something in common where they said, I felt nothing in those great games? Because I know Tom was talking about some game with like the Buffalo Bills and I was like, what is this game? But he yeah. was just talking about how he was just so locked in to every moment. Yeah. How like every play, every pass was like Man. perfect timing for him, right in the numbers, everything like that. Yeah. Do all the athletes have that nothing mentality or? So yeah, he talks about 2007. This it's the amidst the undefeated season. Mm -hmm. I think it's like a week eight or nine yeah. game. Again, obscure. Not the one. It's not the 28 to three comeback or. Whatever. Which was amazing. Yeah, you know. But it's it's this thing that's meaningful to him and that experience. And yeah, I think there is that clarity you said. There's that absence of... So what was interesting to me was a lot of the male athletes, I don't stereotype, but like they chose these things later in their career when the weight of expectations were on them. Like, you know, the scrutiny, the expectation of greatness, LeBron, the haters, mm -hmm. Sean White talks about, you know, Olympic qualifiers. People think I just show up and like it happens. Right, <laughs> and I like, just win gold medals. Yeah. yeah, and he's like, you know, so there's all this pressure. So Tom talking about an undefeated season. Two of the women we talked to, Katie Ledecky and Alex Morgan, both talked about earlier in their careers, no one knew who they were. They right. were just, you know. There was no pressure. Katie was 15 years old. Like, she's like, a, nobody, they were like, are you the right she event? She 15 when she won? Yeah. The, she, the medal? The, yeah. When she broke the world record, too? Yeah. She, yeah, Didn't she, she break about like a half a pool length yeah. or something? It was yeah, just, you watch that video. It's like, where is everyone? And these are world-class athletes. She so, was 15? She was 15. When was that? Olympics, uh, 2012. Wow. Yeah. So I think there is a consistency. You know, sometimes the backstory is different. But so what, like, were the, what were the women, uh, what was their challenge? Was it, it wasn't about the pressure? Was it, what was it, it was about like, for them? Almost like being liberated. Like no one has any expectations. I don't have to meet someone else's standards. I'm just present. Like I, The press doesn't know who I am. Yeah. Maybe it's my parents and my friends, but that's about it. I mean, Katie was like, I'm in London. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. How cool is this? This is awesome. She talked about, I don't know if it made the, yeah, it does. Like she was like in the green room and she's like, I saw Michael Phelps and she's like, my heart started, you know, she's like, what do I say to him and stuff like that. She was hero worshiping someone else. Right. And so there was like a real sweetness, even like, yeah, uh, Alex Morgan, it was, she wasn't even in the starting lineup. Like, you know, um, mm -hmm. it's not the Alex Morgan we all know now, the Olympic champion and all that sort of stuff. I mean, the World Cup champion. It's 
nobody knew who she was. She's like a backup. Half her teammates didn't even really know who she was yeah. or where she came from. And so, but I think you're right about the moment is like everything else fades away mm-hmm. and it's just locked in. Tom, you know, he talks a lot uh, in that game and really across that season about Randy Moss and he's like, it's How like they were this connected, mind yeah. melt, you know? And uh, that's super fun part of like the episode where he's talking about like routes that Randy's breaking off. Like it's not even like what's in the playbook. It's like Randy's making choices and Tom's like, I, it's like I knew before he was going to do it, right. what he was going to do. Well, I think the common theme that I hear and I'm hearing you say it, is the amount of preparation and hard work that goes in for decades for athletes to reach a peak potential level and to reach greatness. It's like they have done so many reps yeah. on this. It's not just like there's a big game opportunity. I hope I'm ready. It's a preparedness. It's yeah. a confidence where then you can eliminate distractions and stop worrying about messing up or anything. You're just going out to do totally. what you've been doing for years, right? Tom, you know, t- talks about, um, I remember, so you mentioned Tom versus time. When we started Tom versus time, it was literally three or four weeks was our first shoot day after the incredible 28 to three comeback. And I was on a practice wow. field with him in Boston. And I was like, I'm a Patriots fan. So I was like, dude, are you serious? Like, you just won a Super Bowl a month ago. And he was like, yeah, a month ago. Like, wow. I'm, you know, I'm training in March and April pays off in January and February. And again, it's those reps. It's the sort of mad scientists in the laboratory tweaking so that in the moment you can just be instinctive. Like yeah. you're not thinking about, you know, your hip or your arm movement mm-hmm. or your whatever. It's like at that moment you're just reacting. I think I've seen videos of Drew Brees like before a game all by himself on the field practicing every rep like at the goal line and, yeah. and anticipating and running around and scrambling and then practicing and seeing it yeah. ahead of time so that when it's there you're just ready and prepared yeah. i think if conor mcgregor has done a lot of that as well where he you see him yeah. actually doing the punch he wants to do in yeah. the fight and then knocking the guy out with that same yeah. punch and i think that type of preparation and visualizing months ahead a day before hours before is what really will support you towards achieving greatness you may lose still yeah but it's going to give you that that edge i'm curious you know you talked about kobe i interviewed kobe as well and me and tiffany got to go down to his office and spend you know a couple hours down there and, and really experience his I really call it an energy because he has an incredible energy about him at least when i got to yeah. to be with him and the thing that i always talk about with people that was most impressive for me you spent more time with him was we got there an hour and a half before our interview, probably 6.30 a.m., and he was there an hour before that by himself, alone, in the dark, looking up at the ceiling in his office, had no clue we were there. But just the fact that he was there not working, but just dreaming and visualizing about the day, for me, is one of the most impressive things I saw. And the assistant who let us in said he was at the gym at 4 a.m. with his daughter before this, and he's the first one in the office still. And this was after he won an Oscar. And I was like, this yeah. guy's a machine. Yeah. And he was preparing for the day with all the things. He had a lot of stuff. He was launching a podcast and books and all this stuff. And his clarity about the day and visualization process for me was really powerful. More so than the interview itself was to witness that. Yeah. What were some things you saw about him from your experience that yeah. really impressed you that made you realize... This is why he's one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, I mean, everything you just described is like so 
you know, takes me back. I mean, he was maniacal, like, you know, in the best of ways and yeah. in the worst of ways. Because I worked with him across like a year and a half to two years. Wow. So you saw a lot of him. I saw a lot of him. And what you just described going down to, I would get texts from him at like three, four in the morning. And yeah, he's like, like, bro, you got to come down. Like, can you be here by 6 a.m.? Like, you know, to, uh, I have something to say. Because we ended up doing a whole, it turned into this like, almost like um, therapy type of thing. Yeah. We built in that office you're describing in Newport, like a stage, because uh -huh. he just wanted to do more and more. It was like, okay, we, you know, we have to find a way to accommodate this. So he had an intensity to him, but also a clarity, I mm. think that was just unique and different. We used to call it, because I was down there for like a year and a half, two years, wow. my wife was like, wait, again? We used to call it Kobe jail. <laughs> Like going into jail. that office, yeah, I was like, man, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get out of this. Um, but it was, you know, it was so intense and it, it drove me and my team towards greatness. Like he just, he wouldn't compromise. There was nothing he would, if it wasn't like perfect in his eyes, it really? wasn't good enough. So you know? from like perfect, like, okay, I'm going to shoot this and tell this story and then watch it back. And if I don't like it, then let's do it again. Or is it more, ah, I didn't like this. Let's, I, let's it do was it like, I don't know if, you know, we went deep enough. I don't know. Like, you know, so he was, you know, so he was self-critical. He was speaking, telling the story, and then he would reflect to you afterwards and say, oh, we got to do it again. We got to do it, or we have to do more. Like, wow. it wasn't into rehearsing. It wasn't like, yeah. okay, I need to say it better. I need to be more honest. I need to give it more depth. And then, like, you know, we would, he really enjoyed this idea of, like, I don't want to talk about just, like, the the predictable stuff, the games, the 81 point game uh -huh. or whatever. Like, I want to talk about the obscure stuff. I want to talk. And so like- Putting a medal in Paul Gasol's locker room <laughs> yeah. during off season yeah. and like to inspire totally. him. <laughs> yeah. And then like finding these really obscure um, things. You know, I'll tell you actually a story. That's why I like doing this because I don't get to tell these stories. But like when I first met Kobe, way before I started working with him, it was because I randomly I don't think believe in randomness, but like I sat at a charity event with him and I sat next to him and Kobe and I are around the same age, mm -hmm. same, you know, grew up in the same era. He was a huge Lakers fan. I was a big Celtics fan. So that was like what we ended up in the 80s talked about at that dinner that we were next to each other. And then literally a day later or 48 hours later, he texted me and he's like, hey, man, can you come down to Newport? I want to show you something. <laughs> I was like, okay, so I like go down to Newport, sit, and he's got. What year this, is this? This is 2012, maybe okay. or something yeah. like that. And so he's got these VHS tapes, like back from the 80s, and he pops it in, like some VCR he has, and he's like, he's like, you're a Celtics fan. He's like, let me. Why do you think Larry Bird was the greatest pump faker of all times? Like, I don't know, like, you know, what? and he's like, let me show you. And he's like, it's not his shoulders, it's not his arms, it's his eyes. Watch his eyes. And Kobe was like, he was like this sort of mad scientist, this genius. I mean, he's a savant, right, when it yeah. comes to basketball. And he was like, watch his eyes. That's where the pump fake is. And so we sat there for like two hours, and he broke down, you know, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, and like obscure guys, like Jerry Seasting, Scott Woodman, and all the Lakers, you know. And he was just like... He would look, and I think later in his career, he did this, uh, not just with basketball players, but as he transitioned into storytelling and stuff like that, he would do it with, you know, the, the great artists, the great storytellers, the great mm -hmm. composers. Um, that sort of became the foundation of the project we ended up, like he drew a lot of inf uh, inspiration from 
Michelangelo and wow. Leonardo da Vinci and as much as he did from Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley and those guys. Yeah, and I think people got to see his genius with the, the ESPN yeah, detail. details, which yeah. was really cool to see like yeah. him analyzing everything. Yeah. Which you got to see, I guess, before that. Almost. I got to see it, and I, you know, it's like Tom Brady will be, he'll watch. With game film, he's yeah. the same way. Uh, which was yeah. cool to watch yeah, in Tom versus time. time. Yeah. To see that, because it brought me back to college football days of just watching yeah. hours of film and seeing all the mistakes you made yeah. and then preparing for the next right. the next game. Well, and then, like you said, even in that, like you could see, you know, the cameras would go on, and first he was kind of pointing it out, but over like five, ten minutes into it, he just, Get lost. He's just and obsessed. Like, it wasn't like, like I wasn't even yeah, there. Just, he's just yeah. a machine in there. Yeah, it's like this sort of you know beautiful mind. Yeah, know, that sort of descends into this world. You know, how important do you think is it for all great athletes and all great minds to watch game film, whether that's artists on stage, singers, performers, musicians of their performance? Yeah. How, do, how important do you think that is? I think it's. I think it's important in the sense that. You know, again, like accumulating all of this knowledge and information so that in the moment you can be free of it in a way, you can be instinctive and intuitive. I also know, like, Tom uh, and some of the other athletes, like, they don't want to be over, like, they don't want to be robotic. They want to have, like, they, it's like I'm sure with what you do, it's like you don't want to, like, be pre programmed, like, you don't yeah. want things to feel choreographed because then you get sort of stuck mm. in that moment. So there's a fine line between preparation, but also then just letting go and mm -hmm. being free and not overanalyzing yeah, improvising, everything. I mean, yeah. yeah. And so it's a balance, but you know, you're talking about people who have kind of perfected it. Though I will say like also what I really appreciated watching, you know, Steph Curry's not in the series, but I worked with Steph last year, is like, these are, Steph's like the, arguably in my opinion, the greatest shooter of all time, like mm -hmm. greatest jump shooter. He's every day out there trying to tweak his jump shot and figure wow. out. It's not about just like replicating what he's done before. It's about like, how can I tweak this thing? How can I, you know, that story about Tom Brady a couple weeks after the Super Bowl, like after winning the Super Bowl and the greatest comeback of history, he's obsessing over like his hip movement. And he's like, something's wrong. Something's wrong. I need to like figure this out. And he he's just working. won the yeah. championship. And he's yeah. working with his throwing coach, Tom House, and saying, help me with this thing. You know, it's like these guys just never stop. So it's not like, let me take a break and celebrate this and then no. just get back into preseason training camp and pick up where I left off. It's how to. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And actually, I was thinking about something I wanted to share. I get a lot of questions from you about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there who are often on the go, like I am. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making some extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start, and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Many people host on Airbnb, including some friends of mine who have raved to me about their experience. But there are some people out there who've never imagined their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle, and it's a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you've got yourself an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12-pack, head to Amazon and use promo code 20PureLeaf. That's promo code 20PureLeaf for 20% off. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can you believe we're almost halfway through this year? And that blows my mind. And I've been starting to reflect on what I've accomplished in 2024 already and what I still want to accomplish before the end of this year. When life goes so fast, it's important to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. And therapy can help you take stock and inventory of your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. And I'm a huge advocate for therapy. It changed my life and I believe it's a great option for everyone, no matter where you're at in your emotional life. If you're thinking Thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime you need to for no additional charge. Take a moment, visit betterhelp.com slash Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Lewis. Why analyze the whole season Celebrate for a moment, but then yeah. pick it up and see how I can make it better. Yeah, and I think, you know, consistently what I, I've seen is also as much as like this series of greatness, um, there's also probably another series to be done around failure. Mm-hmm. And these athletes remember the one that got away, the thing that, you know, yes. Tom says, it's the scar that never heals. You oh, know? Man, I know that feeling. Yeah. What's the... Um, there's a series on, on Netflix, Great Losers or something like that. I think you remember telling me this a couple of years ago. It's about like these stories of losers, but like the great lessons they learned from yeah. it or something. Yeah. I can't remember the title of it, but that's that's interesting. What is the thing that makes what is the defect that all these great people have? Um defect uh i mean look they have an obsessiveness i don't know like there's a mani i mean so kobe is the best example of this is like you know he's not an easy guy to get along with and like you know there's a combativeness that really drove him and again as a sports fan i recognize that you know it's like oh yeah like kobe won three championships when literally it turns out he and Shaq were like having fist fights in practice (laughs) they had to constantly be you know, pulled apart and Phil Jackson was managing their, them because like they were at each other's throats. Yeah. And like that, meanwhile, like you hear the stories about Kobe, every time a new player would, they'd start a new season and there's a new guy on the team, he would go at them in practice and he would try to destroy them. Some guys, Ron Artest, Lamar Odoms would come right back at him and that's how he Dana's built respect. his yeah. distress. There were other guys, Smush Parker's probably like the, you know, the most, one of the, um, uh, anecdotes I've heard and he would just if he would just run over them and then they were just like never the same they could never and and I so like as you know not as a basketball player but as like a collaborator it's like oh man like I'm gonna have to fight with Kobe like really? you know to get like he's gonna try to intimidate and and sort of like you got to prove Did he push back him. a lot on you or oh yeah like every day it was like really sort of fight you know but in a enriching way I mean it was I say it was exhausting but it was also exhilarating right and that was just his nature it's how i don't know that it's called a defect but it's like that was his style 
and it was tiring, but you know, it was also like how he pushed you is how he pushed himself. Mm -hmm. um, it was just better and better. Like I said, no compromise out of that guy. So, you know, I think that's, you know, LeBron, very different personality. Tom, very different personality. Um, they all kind of, oftentimes you see it's, you know, whoever these guys are on the court, they're a lot of the same attributes off. You know. Did you ever see insecurities with these athletes? Yeah. Like self-doubt, whether it be in their craft or self-doubt outside of their craft, like and in an interview, maybe isn't the main thing that they do, but they still have to do it. Did you see them insecure or doubting themselves? I think that, yes, yes. I mean, also, look, it's sports. So yeah. actually, more often than not, you fail. Like, you know, the best baseball um, players are striking out yeah. right, or not getting hit over 70% of the time, right? So it's their ability to deal with that mm. and fail and turn it around so legendary stories kobe bryant shooting four air balls yeah. in a you know playoff game what does he do that night he flies back and he goes to the palisades high school gym and he shoots all night long you know i remember like again with kobe like um he and i were watching a brooklyn nets game and one of the players like 0 for 9 in the first half and then the second half he took no shots. He was 0 for 9 at the end of the game. And I said to Kobe, like, oh, that's kind of weird. Like, he didn't, and Kobe's like, yeah, he outplayed himself. He's like, dude, I would be 0 for 49 <laughs> before I stopped I'll shooting. Keep shooting. Yeah, he's like, you know, it's, yes, is it failure? For sure. But it's your ability to rebound from failure and come back. And so I think, like, is there vulnerability? Is there failure? For sure. It's that ability to, like, use it and channel it into wow. success that is unique. Yeah. yeah. You also spent a lot of time with other great individuals, not athletes, Michael yeah. Jackson being one of them. And you said you met him when you were 15 and then you were very, you were pretty close with him yeah. for two decades. Is that yeah, right? I knew. I talked to Michael a couple of weeks or days before he passed away. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it was a, uh, you know, now look, I look back on it, and it, especially with all that we know about Michael, and it's been documented about him. And, I mean, there were definitely things that I saw that I was like, oh, that's interesting. Odd, I mean, my weird. experience with him was he was a genius. He was one of the most gifted artists in the history of human civilizations. And, and actually now when I read, well, we all read about, you know, Vincent van Gogh, like, or Picasso, or Mozart, like, they were crazy geniuses they mm -hmm. were disturbed in many ways yes. and and i think michael was that i mean i can say that honestly as somebody who loved and respected him but also had a dark side for sure and you know in my experience he was amazing he was great he was uh nothing but sort of integrity just in my interaction with him but you know i mean I've heard the stories you know and and I don't doubt them you know yeah. and uh sadly um but I think he was he was a tortured artist you mm -hmm. know in many ways and you know his work speaks for itself but uh you know it's it's interesting too I would say like my experience with Michael is in some ways I think what has uh given a lot of the other luminaries mm -hmm. athletes in particular that have comfort like kobe used to always say is like man if michael jackson could trust you i guess so. you're pretty good like you know and uh you know i found even steph curry he's way younger than me but steph was always like fascinated and curious it's like would ask me these stories about you know michael and what he was like and i think genius you know recognizes huh. genius wow um so 
Yeah, pretty interesting. I don't know that I fully like unpacked and really decoded my you know relationship, with but I was up at Neverland a lot. Really, you know, yeah, I like you know took members of my family up there. You know, what would you guys? Was it just like hanging out, partying? What was? I mean, Michael's form of partying. I mean, so when I was. 18 years old, I think. Michael asked, like, if I wanted to go on tour with him. What? He was going on tour no in Europe. And so, like, my junior, I think it was 17, actually, my junior year of high school, like, my summer job. So I did go the first few weeks. Really? And I just, like, what was, was that like, like? on the road. It was insane. Like, you know, it was seven weeks on the road in Europe, but, you know, and he would just pack every stadium. But I will say, like, one or two weeks into it, like, it was amazing. You would go and, like, Michael would do these huge performances. And then at night, like, he would just, like, sit hang, up in his... Out. Yeah, but, like, he was not... Like, his band was going out and partying and, like, having a good time. Like, Michael was, like, sitting up. I mean, he's the biggest Kid. superstar. But also the biggest celebrity on the planet. Yes, Like, he couldn't go anywhere. So he would sit up in his, you know, suite and, like drink orange juice and like watch my fair lady have, have and i was pizza, like or, yeah and i was like i was 17 i was like okay this is cool but can i go hang out like with the guys going to the club and so i told mike i'm like what can i do and he they just like created a job for me like on the tour so the first two weeks were like just hanging out with michael doing all this stuff and then the next five weeks were like i was working which was amazing and you know was truly memorable and I do remember at that time, like I now when I think back, I'm like, oh, yeah, like it was strange. And, and Michael was like Edward Scissorhands, like he was trapped by his yeah, fame. Yeah. And he had a very small circle of people that he trusted and that he felt like safe around and stuff like that. So you can see the origins of like mm-hmm. just how <clears throat> the struggles. And yeah, everything. And it was it was a different time. It was like free social media. Right. Like, so you didn't even have that way to engage with people. He was truly isolated. What were some of the conversations you remember that fascinated you? I mean, if you're just, is it just a few people up in a suite? He's having some orange crush and a pizza <laughs> yeah. and you're watching Disney movies. And what do you? I mean, so there was like this childlike quality yeah. you know, to him. He was like trapped. He was like a 15-year-old boy that was trapped. You know, like he had never really matured from that time. You know, so and I knew Michael across a long period of time. I was, you know, I knew when he got married to Lisa Marie Presley. And like there was wow. a lot of like things that Michael would talk about as an adult that I was like, and by that time I was like in college or, you know, I think even later, like I was into my early 20s, etc. And I was like, Michael's still talking like he's 15 years old, like, you know, about things that you experience when you're that, like I've been able to be out in the world and mature and have girlfriends and stuff like that and learn along the way. And he's still still there and it's just like, but that's, you know, that was his experience. And then he would just, like, he went through this Nation of Islam phase. And I would, right. like, go meet and, like, have all these guys. And he was always, like, dabbling with, like, you know, Islam and Buddhism and Kabbalah and, like, just stuff like that. Because, But he interacted with it in a very sort of different way. Like, he didn't go to the temple and sort of interact with normal, you know, Jewish people. It was, like, sure. you know, it was very sort of strange. Do you think all these great individuals have never fully healed from some type of psychological, physical, sexual, emotional trauma of the past? And it's what drives them to be this creative, crazy, artistic 
Yeah. Mani- maniac. Or do you th- or do you feel like there are any athletes or world class entertainers that you spent time with who are truly healed from their past and are just doing it because they love the game and they love the craft yeah. and it's not this like crazy painful thing that they need to get out or express in the world and prove something. Yeah, I think sports are unique because a lot of them are team sports, right? So no matter what kind of trauma or isolation you have in your past, um, you know, part of being successful, at least in a team, is like connecting with other people. And that's in its own way restorative and healing. So, you know, LeBron James comes from a difficult background, mm-hmm. single parent home, Akron, like just all sorts of stuff, like growing up in the inner city and, and all of that. But like gradually over time, it's really started in high school and the guy was like already having success and and to this day he's surrounded by those same guys yeah maverick carter and you know some of the guys in his inner circle and so i think there's something healing about that i think i think that's also a product of the times in some ways it's hard to be isolated you know like even fame isn't as isolating as it is because of social media and stuff i think when you start going back michael's time and then of course all the stuff we read about like you know like i said the michelangelo's and just um, these iconic artists, and I think it's a very different thing. Um, you know, I've I've been fortunate because I've kind of grown up around it. Like my my dad is like in spiritual healing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's famous. Like, yeah. and I grew up around that fame, and so to me it was like I got to see an inside. I think there's also like you know my dad is famous as he was in the world. There's like my dad, and like I watched him. Right. You know, he's he had to sort of be a normal person in one way even while he was this thing. And I think that, to other people, and I think that's consistent with what I've seen with a lot of, I mean, LeBron's a perfect example. It's like, the guy's like one of the, if not the greatest of all time, but he's also a dad. He's also like a husband. Mm-hmm. He's also like trying, he's building businesses and stuff. Like there's something very relatable about Yeah. Him. What did you see within your dad in terms of, Here's an individual who a lot of people, especially pre-social media, looked as like a spiritual leader and healer. Maybe not perfect, but this like person you go to for the answers. Yeah. But then you might see another side of him that's like, yeah. oh, but he does this and yeah, he yeah. does that and he's he raises his voice at me and he <laughs> what I don't know what he did, but sure. How do you how have you been able to witness that uh, you know persona that he has had over the years? and see how it's either affected in a positive way with the fame and that pressure to be a right. spiritual leader and be kind of perfect, I guess. Right. And just being like dad, who's also a human being, has yeah. got flaws and... Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it was a big, it was very formative for me too. Mm. You know, the thing about my father also is that pre his spiritual <clears throat> guru identity, like his arc and he's talked about it quite openly as like he was far from that really know. oh yeah he was you know um he was trained as a western physician as an immigrant probably came to this country when he was like 23 24 years old after medical school you know drank a lot like really? abused drugs huh. you know like you know smoked a lot of weed stuff like that like he had a very addictive personality and like had a lifestyle that was sort of like the opposite of what he's now known for mm. but his um professional transformation going from being a western trained physician to like a healer or you know eastern sort of uh spiritual teacher etc it was underlied by like a a personal transformation. Like he kind of had a deep 
dissatisfaction in his life. And I, I lived through that. I watched it. I remember. As a kid, you remember. Yeah, I remember like when I was probably eight or nine years old and my dad was still like, he would work all weekend or, you know, he would moonlight at the, uh, he was an ER physician, etc. He would work the bone he would come back have two whiskeys or whatever probably more than two whiskeys and pass out and there were times like he fell out of bed and broke his nose he was like so what out of it and like so i remembered that version of my dad way before like the one that started meditating and all that sort of stuff so i think there's like a, a real transformation that so i remember that i did a oh. documentary a couple years ago like called decoding deepak was basically okay, here's who he is to the world, and he's like this spiritual guru, etc. Here's who he is to me, and here's the story that sort of underlies this. And I think that makes it a lot more, actually everything that he is, you know, this idea of spirituality or perfection or whatever, to me, is a lot more um, admirable when you know, like, oh, there's a real human being mm. that's, you know, struggled with things. And again, yeah. same thing with athletes. It's, you know, like this person who you've seen as this moment of greatness, it's actually like they're a human being who's struggling with all these things. You know, that makes it that much more yeah. admirable. What's the biggest challenge you've had to face in your life then with seeing your father kind of go through that transformation and then his fame, interviewing all these great athletes and kind of being friends with all these great individuals do you feel pressure to be like, oh, I've got to live up to the standard that I'm of all these people I hang out with and my father? Or do you feel? I've had it pretty good. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I've had a, a great, you know, just upbringing. I have totally supportive parents, you know. Um, you know, my formative years were basically from teenage and my dad had had his transformation at that point. So it's very sort of supportive in terms of like, yeah. do what you're most passionate about. I mean, I suppose like especially earlier in like my professional career, there was an expectation. Oh, your dad's like this spiritual guy. You must be just like him. You must like be so comfortable with yourself. And and I think, you know, I was young, like I didn't know those things. I had you have to go through them yourself. And so I think for me, you know, obviously a big transformational thing was like becoming a parent myself mm. because like suddenly like you see the world outside of yourself and um, you start to become more comfortable with who you want to be and who you eventually become. So I think that's probably it. And yeah, I definitely like, you know, I'm around a lot of these people who are great and it's like, man, like I want to be that. Like yeah, I yeah. need to have that sort of success. But then I remind myself again, like, well, just like everything you see, like, you know, isn't as perfect as it always seems. Mm -hmm. And and I think I'm fortunate now, especially with like a Tom Brady, I mean, I say this with hopefully a lot of humility, it's like, but I think as much as I learned from him, like he he enjoys being around me, like, you know, I can learn a lot from seeing what he's accomplished on the football field, mm -hmm. but he he loves like the stuff we're doing. He's part of you know my company, Religion of Sports, and he always says it's because he learned so much from not just being around me, but being great artists and, yeah. and you know creative people. What is that with? It seems like a lot of athletes are creating their own production companies. You know, when I interviewed Kobe. I was like, what's your mission? And he said to tell great stories because yeah. that's what's going to change the world. Yeah. And LeBron's got a production company with Maverick. Yeah. Tom, it seems like every great athlete now wants to kind of tell their story and tell yeah. other stories. Why, why do you think that is? Is it a trend because it's cool? Is it? I think it's a little bit all of the above. I think it's also, it's like, you know, certainly athletes towards the end of their careers. One, they're figuring out, okay, like, what do I do? 
they've all established their own. What do I do next? You mean? What do I do next? You know, because of social media, they all have existing audiences, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think I just saw before I was coming here, LeBron had like 64 million people on Instagram. Like, they have this existing audience. It's like, how do I communicate? So storytelling is great. But I also think, especially again, at the end of your career, Kobe, you mentioned, mm-hmm. is like, they're trying to sort of deconstruct, like, how did I do this? Like, what is the story? Because, you know, you don't know it as much when you're going through it. You certainly don't know in the moment, like, of greatness. You just focus on your goal. Yeah, like, like, I want to win. You're just there. You're present. So it's a lot of it's, like, reflecting. And it's also, what can I take from this incredible run, all this success, and apply it to the rest of my life? You know, how do I... How do I take the wisdom of sports and greatness and apply it to now the next stage? And what you realize, like, when you're working with great athletes, I think when I was working with Kobe, and we're, this is like 34. The guy was like 35 years old, you know, when we started this thing. It's like, he's a young man. It's only in sports, like, when you talk about 35, it's like, oh, my God, like, he's so old. Like, how does he do that? Um, but these are actually very young people who are like thinking about, like I said, Kimi Lutecki was 15. Crazy. She'll, she's now like 23, I guess, you know, something like that. Um, she's going to be done. Like this Olympics now, next, now that's it's, it's she'll retire probably. Yeah. It's yeah. like, now what? You know, so I think storytelling, like unpacking that greatness uh, and that journey is sort of intuitive to yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah. This is fascinating stuff, man. What's uh, what are some of the things you're really excited about next that you've the stories you haven't told? Yeah. In the well, you know, like I think one thing I've learned also is like be present. Like I'm not that person who thinks about like my five year plan, my uh-huh. ten year plan, my exit. You know, I'm very in the moment. One, I love surrounding myself with you know other great thinkers and innovators. You know, so I love like doing this. I want yeah. to do more stuff with you. Um, I think that you know, there's a couple projects. You know, I'm working. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And actually, I was thinking about something I wanted to share. I get a lot of questions from you about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there who are often on the go, like I am. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making some extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start, and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Many people host on Airbnb, including some friends of mine who have raved to me about their experience. But there are some people out there who've never imagined their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle, and it's a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you've got yourself an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The famous Abraham Lincoln quote says, good things come to those who wait. But that's only part of the quote. The full quote is, good things come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. Well, if you're a business owner or want the best people on your team, the same applies. Thankfully, ZipRecruiter puts the hustle in your hiring so you find qualified candidates fast. And now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com greatness. ZipRecruiter's smart technology finds top talent for your roles right away. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's 
Advisors matching technology starts showing you qualified people for it. I believe finding the right team members is one of the most important steps in setting my companies up for success. And we like to ensure our new hires will be a good fit before they're even on the team. So I am so grateful that I have ZipRecruiter's help as we look to grow our team. Let ZipRecruiter give you the hiring hustle you need. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness to try it for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Working on something again with Tom Brady called Man in the Arena that's really Ooh. like unpacking his 20 years of success. Wow. I also now because that's I'm LeBron such... James favorite quote, right? Yes. He's, he's Man there. in the Arena. Um, you know, Tom is at a new stage of his career. So like, that's been fun. Are you documenting this? I've definitely, it's an interesting time right now to be traveling cross country to Florida of all places to try to capture those things. But I've been down there a couple of times. Um, yeah, that's even, I don't even know what that project will be, but like, I've also learned to trust, you know, trust the process. Yeah. It'll just kind of, um, so, you know, we have a lot of podcasts, like, you know, stuff we're building. I'm really excited by also, you know, I think I've been an artist for so long, like focus like on one project. Now I get to be in a position where I get to be with other people. I get to like, you know, help other artists, like give them a platform. And so that's really, you know, through our company, we're sort of identifying a lot of people who are really gifted. They just Mm -hmm. don't have access. Mm -hmm. And now we can help provide that. So, you know, building out religion of sports, like, Tom, Michael Strahan's our other partner, mm-hmm. um, and really like what resources can we bring in so that we can help people? Yeah. Um, and you also look the times that we're living in. It's divisive and the climate's like, how can we make a difference? How can mm-hmm. we say something that matters and that you know helps us mm. collectively heal? So. I love it, man. Um, I'm gonna ask you a couple final questions. Yeah. Uh, this one's called the three truths. I ask everyone at the end. So imagine this is your final day on this earth and many, many years from now, and you've accomplished every dream you could set out to accomplish, even though you don't think a year or five years ahead, you, you accomplish everything you want to accomplish. You tell all the stories, you create the companies, you have a great family, all that stuff, but it's your last day and you've got to take all your work with you. Every piece of content you've ever created, it's got to go with you to the next place. But you get to leave behind three things you know to be true from all your lessons and experiences that you've personally learned or that you've experienced mm-hmm. from other people and you get to write them on a piece of paper and this is all we get to have yeah. of your uh-huh. life's work uh-huh. these three big lessons what would you say are your three truths you would share with everyone one don't take yourself too seriously you know um i think it's so easy to get caught up in the moment but to have fun and Mm -hmm. take a step back and look at the big picture i think that would be a big one for me i think um to spend your time wisely you know i feel like now looking back i'm like oh man i wasted a lot of time doing a lot of you know things that just seemed important at the time but weren't of consequence Mm. And then I think probably most importantly, you know, especially as a father, this is something I talk about with my son a lot, is like, be of service, you know? Like, what are you gonna, what are you gonna leave behind? What are you gonna contribute? How are you gonna be, you know, how are you gonna move the ball forward? You yeah. know, and it's, it's, I mean, like, it's somewhat cliched, but it's not about having the nicest car or the biggest house or whatever. Nobody cares at the end. That's not the stuff you remember. You know, it's about like, what did I, how was I, 
of service to the world. Mm-hmm. And again, I think we living in a time this <laughs> is even more appropriate than ever. Like, how can how can I make a difference? Yeah. Did, you know, did my life matter? Yeah. And I think that will probably be in how I contributed, not like what material things did I accumulate. Yeah, that's beautiful. You've got Greatness Code, it's out right now. It's on Apple TV Plus, uh, religionofsports.com, where you've got all your projects from the past where people can find them on different platforms yeah. and, and current stuff. You're on social media, Gotham Chopra, Twitter and Instagram as well. well how else can we support you and find your work? and? Be of think, service. Yeah, thank you. No, I think continuing to be in dialogue. I'm excited, just like this relationship. You know, I think that's the other thing is, you know, my life has always been a series of relationships. Like every mm-hmm. project I've ever worked on that's been successful has been the product of like a genuine relationship, yeah. you know, that's built over time. Like not having an agenda, you know. Um, and so I think just it's about communicating, engaging, um, and and finding ways to collaborate yeah okay cool i appreciate that yeah um i want to acknowledge you for a moment gotham for your ability to constantly show up in adversity over the years and constantly create powerful relationships with people that are probably hard to build trust with and tell great stories of them Uh, i think that's one of the most challenging things that someone can do is tell a great story and you've constantly showed up through your companies and also individual relationships building that trust to serve humanity. So I really acknowledge you for that gift that you have Thank and you. how you keep showing up yeah. with these opportunities. It's really powerful. And um, I wanna ask the final question for you. It's what's your definition of greatness? Hmm. Being present, you know, and I think look, greatness in sports is about incredible performances, but you know, you were talking about Kobe. I thought that was really beautiful, like the, your description. It's about being present in the moment. I'm one of those people who's constantly on social media and check my phone, and I remind myself all the time, especially like when I'm, you know, with my son, or now I just got a new puppy. Like, and, you know, one of my favorite things is in the morning, I wake up around 5, 5.30, and I just go, I take the puppy out, and I'm just, I leave everything behind. I'm just like, with him and that mm. playfulness and that just like you know being present i think greatness is sometimes at 45 15 and 9 from lebron james <laughs> sometimes it's just about like being in the moment mm. Gotham, my man appreciate yeah. you brother thank you thanks man thank you so much for listening to this episode make sure you share this with someone that you think will find value in this message you have the power and the ability to change someone's life today just by sending them this link, lewishouse.com slash 980, or just copying and pasting on the Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this. Copy and paste that link and share it with a friend. Post it on your social media. Tag me, tag Gotham. Again, you can impact and change someone's life just by spreading this message of greatness. And if you're a fan of this show and you want to help me in any way, please click the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts right now so you can get notified of the latest and greatest inspiration that comes out every week. And also leave us a five-star review and rating as those really help us spread the message even more to help impact more people. And if you want great inspirational messages from me every single week, I can text you quotes, audios, video messages, and I've been doing that weekly to a large group of people who have subscribed to my texting platform. Just text the word podcast to 614-350-3960 to get up to date on the latest and greatest 
quotes and inspirational message direct to your phone. And I want to leave you with a quote from Kobe Bryant. Everything negative, pressure, challenges, it's all an opportunity for me to rise. Look at your life right now and reflect on the challenges, the pressure, the negative situations that might be in your life. And I want you to flip the switch. I want you to interpret that situation in your favor and not against you. And when you interpret things differently in your life and you have a new perspective on those moments and on those situations and on those negative experiences, when you interpret it differently, you set yourself up for greater opportunities and for yourself to have the ability to rise. But you must remember that you matter, you are loved, and you are worth it. I'm so grateful for you. And as you know what time it is, it's time to go out there and do something great. How frustrating is it when you move into a new home and you're excited to settle in and furnish it, but then you're waiting weeks on end, sometimes even a whole month, for your new furniture to finally ship to you? Have you met All Modern? All Modern brings you the best of modern furniture and they deliver it for free in days, not weeks. Yep, that's right. They deliver it in days. Waiting weeks for your order to arrive isn't ideal, especially when you've just moved. Get your sofa ASAP from All Modern and sit comfortably while building out the rest of your space. That's Modern Made Simple. At All Modern, you'll find only the best of modern styles, from Scandi to mid-century and minimalist to maximalists. Every piece is hand-vetted for quality and designed for real life. Shop the best of modern outdoor furniture, timeless decor, and everything in between. Find timeless designs in every style that fold function and fun all in one. From small decor swaps to full room revamps, All Modern has you covered. Shop online at All modern.com or visit them in store in Linfield or Dedham, Massachusetts, or in Austin, Texas. Some things are obvious. Water is wet. All roads lead to somewhere and paying half price for pizza is better than paying full price. This week at Domino's is half off pizza week. Get 50% off all menu price Domino's pizzas. What's for dinner? The choice is obvious. Get half off pizza at Domino's during half off pizza week now until June 9th. Select this offer online only at participating locations. Prices, participation, delivery area, and charges may vary. Offer applies to pizza portion of your order only. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Get away with friends to the laid-back Maryland coast, where you can catch up while casting off and hang 10 while hanging out where a day on board is never boring and full throttle is half the fun. Where you can sink a putt, raise a glass, and there's always room for one more round. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com.